0: Hello and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for conversations with the finalists of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode has written over 35 books for young readers. The characters of her books have included pirates, Santa Claus, Mary Shelley, and now princesses and dinosaurs.
1: Hello, I'm Linda Bailey. I'm uh, a BC writer and I have written quite a lot of books, I think about 35 books right now. I write different kinds of books. I write I'd say these days, mostly picture books, but I've written seven or eight middle grade novels as well. I have also written some books that were a combination of graphic novel, history, nonfiction, information books. That was a series and I, and I wrote a series, a, a mystery novel series. So I've, I've actually written quite a lot of different things for children, but, but these days, mostly picture books.
0: As an author, mom and grandma, Linda has spent time with a lot of different characters. And I was curious what she would say when I asked if you could be a character from any novel or story, who you would be. Here's her answer.
1: It's not a picture book, but it's a children's poem, I'd say. I would like to be a jumbly in in the Edward Lear poem called The Jumblies. And the jumblies, they go off to sea in a sieve a whole bunch of them go off to sea in a sieve and uh, everyone tells them not to go because it's so dangerous and you know well it's a sieve (laughs) But, but they actually survive and they go exploring and they discover new places and they have a fabulous time and then at the end they come back where everybody else has just stayed where they were and the jumblies went off and it's a fantastic poem. It's a nonsense poem, but it's a wonderful, wonderful poem and, and I love that poem. So I guess I'd like to be a jumbly, which is not exactly a picture book, but it has been illustrated as a picture book several times, but not not recently. So for any illustrators out there, there's here's your chance. <laughs>
0: When Linda started writing the story for Princesses vs. Dinosaurs, she was looking at the discord and divisiveness caused by the Trump presidency, and the influence that had beyond the U.S. borders. And if you've read Princesses vs. Dinosaurs, you'll know that a wall makes an appearance in the pages of the book. Linda felt powerless and frustrated, and so some of that appears in the book so that she could have the pleasure of watching a wall come down and seeing the territory of the book shared by all. Linda's book, Princesses vs. Dinosaurs, illustrated by Joy Ang, is a finalist for the 2021 Christy Harris Illustrated Children's Literature Award. Here's my conversation with Linda Bailey. I wanted to ask you where the idea for this book came from.
1: It started uh, at a breakfast in San Francisco. I was having breakfast with my um, editor. Uh, It was, there was a librarian conference that we were at there. And we were talking about books that are, that are in kind of zones or areas that are children's favorites. And so I I guess you would say a, a certain theme or a certain sub-genre or trope or something things like kids always the kind of books kids always like and they come back over and over and over and over like things like dog books of which i have written uh six or seven um or bugs and certainly princesses is one of them that that you know children have as long as there have been children's books children have been attracted to stories about princesses and dinosaurs also and new siblings, just for to name a few. And we were just talking about those in general and we were kidding around and trying to get at what was underneath the attraction for these books. And then we started to kid around a little bit more and talk about doing a, like a mash of some of them. Could you put them in the same book, any of these things? And we got around to princesses and dinosaurs. And I said, no, you can't, you can't do that. that book. <laughs> And she said, why not? And I said, well, because they lived at different times, right? The dinosaurs had had a world, and it was way ahead of the princess world. So you could put a dragon in with a princess, but you cannot put, uh, you know, you, can, you cannot make up a story that encompasses both princesses and dinosaurs. And so, you know, that was the end of that conversation, or it went into some other direction. And I, And somehow that conversation nagged at me. Or that question about those that, that nagged at me. And I found myself in the middle of the night with insomnia, which I now and then have. And the thing that came up was was that. And what was the, the interesting part was that I was thinking, okay, they don't fit inside the same book. They have two different worlds that don't fit inside the same book. And then I started to think, well, what if you put the two different worlds in that book? and had them both claiming the space of that book, each of them for their own world. And you had them facing off with a princess world, facing off with a, a dinosaur world. And they would look different. Um, I could see it already, that a princess world would be pastels and uh, you know unicorns and rainbows, et cetera, and a, and a dinosaur world. I imagined it would be jungly and, kind of Jurassic Park-ish. But it certainly would look different. And I thought kids would understand that, would be able to understand. And meanwhile, there's only one book. And the two worlds both want to claim that space. So it's about a fight over space, really. Is what it is. <laughs> Very hard to describe.
0: Yeah. And you you mentioned that you um, you could imagine how it was going to kind of look on the page. But of course, it was illustrated by um, Joy Ang And and I know how things work with picture books where you don't have that much uh, involvement necessarily in what happens with the illustrations. But did you get to talk to Joy a little bit about how you imagined it would all look?
1: No, uh, it happened the same way it almost always happens is that the author talks to the editor. The editor talks to the the illustrator. So certainly everything that I w- was saying about it, this is actually a concept book, right? So it had to be, it, you know, ha- all that kind of information had to go to Joy. But it didn't, it did wasn't me trying to explain this to Joy. It was our editor, Tara Walker, who explained it. And, and totally, Tara totally understood what I was hoping for. And certainly Joy. Absolutely understood because it's exactly what I was hoping it would be, you know, and, and better, you know. I mean, because <laughs> Joy's idea of a dinosaur world has this huge, amazing volcano in the back, uh, you know, glowing. She I don't know how she made that that volcano look like, you know, like they're about to get totaled by the lava or something, but but it's it's so effective as a as a dinosaur world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's even like the princess parts have this kind of like softness to them. And at one part, I thought something was actually sparkling. But then I was like, no, that's not like it was amazing. It, they're amazing illustrations. She did a beautiful yeah. job.
1: They're, they're stunning. Yeah. Yeah.
0: When you were talking about the tropes in uh, children's books, it's interesting because you know, I think of tropes and other things, but I hadn't really thought about them in children's books and how they play out. And I used to work at the public library in the community where I live and I would do school tours for kids and almost like you always, it comes to the end and you're giving them time to browse in the collection. And like you said, bug books, Lego books, you know, there was always the books. But the interesting thing is that it kind of felt down gender lines, and I—I'm sure you probably were thinking of that a little bit with dinosaurs for boys and princesses for girls, and I just wondered if you could chat a little bit about that. And and at the end, of course, it says, you know, this is a book for everybody, and I thought that was kind of, you know, the moral of the story, more or less.
1: Well, yeah, in kids' play, I mean, when my kids were young, they're—I have I have two daughters; they're both adults now, of course, and observing kids in preschools and whatnot, right? They they often, no matter what anybody tries to tell them, <laughs> no matter how much their feminist uh you know parents are trying to get the girls pushing the trucks and the and the boys with the dolls, that for at a certain point that kind of they, they just often go in those directions. This is not I don't mean as a rule, but but the boy play and the girl play can look very different. And and maybe, who knows, maybe it is all culturally imposed, and and I we don't see it, but but I used to see that kind of play and, and and wonder about it, and it and I have to say it didn't. Well, okay, so I wasn't trying to reproduce that, but it seemed to be like it does seem that that the dinosaur books are predominantly enjoyed by boys, and I, I'm going to guess that the princess books are predominantly. Uh, chosen by girls. But I don't think that, that that is any kind of um uh all right, here's what I'm going to say about that, that I had these two daughters, and, and they had boy friends. I mean, we shared childcare with some other families. And so we had these three boys who came over all the time. And we had a, a dress up box that had uh, every kind of thing in it, you know. It had the the construction helmets and the and the fire hats, fire workers hats, etc. And they, it also had uh, tiaras and tutus and things like that. And I I'm going to say that I was I noticed that those boys loved that stuff. They loved trying on the tutus and they loved the the tiaras. And all three of them at different times, you know, showing up and. In in this book, one of the princesses is is a little guy who's wearing the princess outfit, and and he fits right in. So, I don't know.
0: It seems like, you know, even without trying necessarily, there seems to have something happened where there was boy books and girl books. And I guess that did happen somewhat by design. And now we're trying to shake it so that it's just books that anyone can be interested in. But it's just, it's interesting to me how, you know, that, that has stuck around for so long where, You know, as I said, I worked in the library and we were always aware of the fact that, you know, boys may not read books with female protagonists or there was that idea that boys would not read books with female protagonists. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting that, you know, this is something we're trying to figure out how to deal with. But I think books like um, Princess versus Dinosaur and so many books that are being published right now are recognizing that we need to give permission to children to just be who they're going to be without these ideas wrapped around it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And so is that something that you are actively kind of looking at in your work now? And how is, how is your work? I mean, you said you've written 35 books. You've been writing children's books for so long. How have you seen that evolve through your career?
1: Um... For myself, I mean, I, the, the first books I ever wrote, which were in the nineteen, my first book was published in 1992, and it was a book called uh, about a young detective girl named Stevie Diamond, and Stevie Diamond was actually Stephanie, but St- Stevie Diamond was uh, uh, very boyish. I'm going to say in in behavior and an attitude and and everything about it. Very, and she had a a, a partner a boy named Jesse definitely she was the leader she was the, the strong one she was the one who wasn't frightened he was the one who was frightened so starting back then I was I was wanting to flip it around and and the, the stereotype around and I guess I did that fairly deliberately but I also did <laughs> I also did it because uh, you said you know which character would I want to be Well, I wanted to be Stevie, you know, she was an 11 year old kind of superhero girl to me. And, and she wasn't the kid that I was, the the kid that I was, was timid. So uh, I was like Jesse really. So I I created a boy character like myself, like I had been, and I created a, a girl character, like the girl I wish I had been. So that was, that was, you know, way back. And then. You know, all all the way through. Yeah, I was I was always trying to. Uh, there's a, a few things I was trying to do uh, in terms of stereotyping. The other thing, other stereotype that I saw in art and which I which I uh, pushed for here, was I I saw. I still see a lot of art that shows kids as having the same body, they all have the same body. So they show six kids or 10 kids or something of the same age. They're all the same size. They all have the same body shape. They're all kind of, you know, like little versions of each other. And you know, because you've gone into schools. (laughs) Whoa, you go into some school and you know, the the smallest one in the class, you know, comes up to the waist of, of some of the others. So their heights are enormously varied. Their their size, from little tiny skinny things to to you know quite large friends they're hanging out with, and the, and it's hilarious sometimes when they walk in because you, you actually don't don't really see that diversity in an adult population of of body shapes and sizes. So one of the things that I asked for was that these princesses would would be a real serious range of i've gone on i've gone way away from your question here <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay because that's okay, you've kind of led me to another question i have when i was preparing to talk with you i i realized and i think i i knew this before but you had you've wrote mary who wrote frankenstein yes which i loved i i mean i love the illustrations of that book i love mary shelley but um it seems like a lot of your books are engaging, like you just mentioned, with characters and their identity. And there's these people who aren't necessarily like acceptable or maybe uh, fit with what kids might see as traditional um, kids or even adults, even even pirates are kind of those characters too yeah. on the fringes. But I think it's, it. I would love to hear you talk about, you know, how you see representation In kids' books and giving kids that permission to be different, to be outside of what they might normally see in a picture book in a movie.
1: Well, you know, I think they're 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 those are the most interesting characters. You know, I'm not really interested myself in seeing seeing a movie or or reading a book about somebody who is like seriously super average and normal. You know, I mean, I guess you can make that person interesting by putting that. That person whose life is, you know, always the same and dumping them into some very strange, difficult situation. But I'm I'm not interested in people like that. And, and I think I'm I'm fairly typical in liking the quirky characters, right? And, and I think for kids, if they get to enjoy quirky characters early on, and they they get to enjoy the oddball in the group as the hero, if, if they can enjoy that character. And identify with that character, and that was that was true of some of the classic books for children. You know, like everybody loves Joe in in uh, Little Women, right? We all love Joe. She was the odd one, right? But that's the one we love. We all love Anne in Anne of Green Gables, and again, there's nobody wackier than Anne. <laughs> so you know, and and Huckleberry Finn, gosh, you know, he he was nowhere near normal, right? So. So I think that the the best books do find those wonderful, exceptional, unusual people who will, you know, be the ones we all admire when they're adults. In many cases,
0: you mentioned that you uh, you have now grown daughters, and I know you dedicated this book to your granddaughter. Yes. Um, what do you think is, as a someone who's probably read a ton of children's books, not just as a as a creator of children's books, but as probably as a parent, you were reading loads of them to your kids and to yeah. your grandkids. What do you think is needed in children's books from that perspective for, for kids? And what do you see kids respond to in the children's books that you're creating or maybe that you enjoy?
1: Well, I mean, uh, humor, for one thing, you know. I don't know, there's a lot of, lot of books around that are very earnest and sincere. Not a lot of children's books, that are, and they're wonderful in many ways, but sometimes people like to feed children a steady diet of that, right? And they don't do it for themselves. <laughs> you know, they still look for the, the fun in reading. And, and I guess I, I tend to be on that fun end, and I'm going to qualify that by saying I try not to be just humor my goal would be to be in the there's a wonderful zone which is like you know tickle their funny bones and touch their hearts right make them laugh make them cry and and that is what I like when I'm reading a book or seeing a movie myself that would be my first choice in a book and I, and I want it I do want the, it to, it to be something that is that makes me laugh and makes me feel good at the same time i also want it to have depth and reach me and hopefully reach me in a deep way so there's a place where where, they, where you know some people are are really wonderful at putting those two things together and and that's the that's the place i aim for
0: what you're saying is it's true to something i was actually i don't know how this came up when i was chatting with um gail anderson dargats as well and cuz she writes uh the high low books as and so she was talking about that you know you don't want a book to be too earnest because then somehow you're you might lose the young readers along the way yeah. um they they ultimately want a great story and i think what you're you're saying there about the funny and but also getting to the heart at the same time is is true for adult books too, of course.
1: I think it's a it's the target zone, absolutely for me.
0: As I was, like I said, as I was going through, and I was blown away by how many books you've written that I, I've seen on bookshelves, and I guess never realized had your name on them. But you have you always written for children, and uh, and what interested you in writing for kids in particular?
1: Well, I didn't really start writing very much until I guess you know, my late 20s, I spent my 20s traveling and, and not I didn't want to be in in my 20s. I didn't want to be in a room by myself. You know, I wanted to be out with people in the world and and see the world. Uh, In my 30s, I had children. And, and I at that time, I started out by writing short stories for adults. That's when I really discovered children's literature with my own children. Uh, And I totally fell in love with that section of the library. And I, I, you know, I just I was entranced by it. But another thing was that, I don't know if I understood this at the time, but, but I certainly did later. The place where I come from is storyteller. I mean, I'm not, not. I don't mean the classic story, oral storyteller. I just mean that story really matters to me. I care about story. And at that time in literature, which was, when was that? That would have been the 80s, I guess. Story was very unpopular in adult. Novel writing, etc. It was. It wasn't about story. It was. It was. I don't know what it was about, <laughs> but story. Story and the idea of, of creating a good story wasn't the really important thing at all, and it was all. It was all pretty darned. You know, uh, a lot. A lot of a lot of writing was very serious and and certainly not the tone that I was enjoying. So, children seemed to be the place where I belonged. And then I met children's writers, and then I, I discovered the world of children's writers, children's books, children's teachers and librarians and all that whole world. And I thought, yeah, I love being here. I this is this is a wonderful place. I belong here, you know, so so it, it all came together that way. And I and I, you know, some people do both, and I admire them. Maybe I'll maybe I'll write for adults at some point, but not so far. <laughs>
0: It always seems to like like I said having been in schools and I've taken children's books authors to schools with kids and it seems like some kind of a special magic too that you know adults adult book readings are fun but children's events with authors are just oh yeah something else it's like a rock star coming <laughs> into their classroom.
1: I know it's 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 very special and and also I think that 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 uh with with children you can be the person and with with that first series that i wrote that that mystery series uh it was i deliberately made it not an easy read but i deliberate at the time i had been working with in adult literacy and i the people who couldn't read as adults were people who hadn't read as children was what i what i had seen and who thought it was a, an awful chore to read so so i deliberately made those first novels, as comprehensible as I could, at the same time trying to make them funny and trying to make them uh, you know, entertaining and give them a good mystery, all that. What I discovered a lot was that people would come up to me at whatever gatherings were going on for ki- kids and books and say, this was the first novel my child ever read. And then my child read all seven of them. And I didn't think my child was ever going to be a reader. And that isn't going to happen to you with uh, <laughs> if you're an adult writer, because I did feel, especially with those early novels, that uh, I was really doing. It felt like I was doing something valuable for certain individual kids who weren't readers. And then because of a book I had written, they were readers. So.
0: And I think children's books, too, hold a special they hold a special place in our heart. Like I'm sure you, you and me, even talking about the character, you wanted to be in a book. Yeah. Um, it's easy to go back to those favorite first books. And I think somewhere, you know, we keep reading, of course, throughout our whole lives, but nothing stands out like those first children's books, those first novels we read when we're, when we're just getting into reading and finding the joy of books.
1: And they're the ones you remember. I'm I'm still getting emails from Stevie diamond fans (laughs) and those books were early nineties. So these, these are, you know, people in their, in their thirties now are, are uh, still writing letters (laughs) or writing emails.
0: Thanks so much to Linda for being on writing the coast and thanks to you for listening and subscribing to writing the coast. If you would like to learn more about the BC and Yukon book prizes, be sure to visit our website bcuconnbookprizes.com. On our website, you'll find all the information about the shortlisted authors, as well as details about upcoming events like our storied series. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Susan Sanford Blades, whose book, Fake It So Real, is a finalist for the 2021 Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.